since 1996, this is Cinematic Sound. And welcome to another edition of Cinematic Sound Radio. This is the show dedicated to the music of film, television, and video games. My name's Eric Woods, and I'm your host. A few weeks ago, we played part one of Cinematic Sound Radio's two-part 10 favorite scores of all time show in celebration of Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary, which was actually way back in September of this year. So on this program today, we're going to conclude our countdown with scores number five through till one. Plus, we'll have one honorable mention to get to. First of all, if you haven't heard Selections 10 to 6, I highly recommend you do that first. You can hear that show at cinematicsound.net or through iTunes or at podtyrant.com. And with that, on to number five. Number five is actually the only video game score to make the countdown, and it comes from one of the most impressive video game scores these ears have ever heard. And I never thought in a million years that I would hear a video game score of this caliber in my lifetime. I know it sounds weird now because video game scores have monster budgets, and writing a score for a live orchestra is the norm. But to hear Michael Cicchino's masterpiece to 1999's Medal of Honor was a huge turning point in the history of video games and its effect on me personally as a soundtrack fan. This is one of the most personal soundtracks in my collection, and I'll take you on a bit of a journey as to why. I first heard this score when I read a review of it on Christian Clemenson's film music review site, Film Tracks. When I read that that score sounded like some of John Williams's classic 1980s scores, stuff like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was mentioned, I knew I had to get this album. But even at the time of the game's release, the soundtrack was actually pretty hard to find. Now, remember back on September's program when I brought up the name for Daxton? Well, he came to the rescue again here. I contacted him and asked him how I can get in touch with Michael Giacchino. Ford kindly sent me his email address, and I immediately emailed Giacchino. And almost immediately... Giacchino responded back, and he told me that he would send me the album to play on the show. A week later, the score arrived at my place of employment. That day, I would be taking the bus home from work. I worked in Toronto and lived in Hamilton. It was roughly a one-hour ride home without traffic. So I boarded the bus, found my seat, inserted the CD into my Discman, and put the headphones on and pressed play. The Northwest Symphona filled my ears with heroic melodies, evil motifs, dynamic orchestral action, a score that instantly transported me back to when I first fell in love with the likes of John Williams, James Horner, and Jerry Goldsmith. Here was a sound that I thought I might never hear again from anybody else other than Williams, Horner, and Goldsmith. And what shocked me the most was that this was written for a video game. I wasn't aware that orchestral music was being written for video games. Only a few games up to this point had orchestral scores. Bruce Broughton's Heart of Darkness, whose orchestral score was written for cutscenes. And of course, there was The Lost World Jurassic Park, written by Giacchino back in 1997, which was the first game to have an orchestral score 
written for a console game. Back to Medal of Honor. The score is full of militaristic might. A good percentage of the cues are of an action variety. And they almost play as a singular, self-contained concert work. And then, when it all comes together, creates one of the finest soundtracks you will ever hear. At an early age, Giacchino was influenced by John Williams. And that sound is apparent in his music from this game. Yet if you are familiar with Giacchino's career as a whole, you can hear a singular voice emerge. Giacchino poured everything he had into this project. And while his style has changed over the years... This Medal of Honor, in my opinion, still remains the greatest work he has ever crafted. And now to open up today's program, music from Medal of Honor, with original music composed by Michael Giacchino, with music performed by the Northwest Symphonia Orchestra.
Music from the original video game soundtrack to Medal of Honor, released in 1999. That was the Northwest Symphonia Orchestra, conducted by Tim Simonek. The original soundtrack recording was originally released through DreamWorks Records, and then was subsequently part of a massive box set of Medal of Honor music released through La La Land Records. Now, I'm not sure if you remember when I was talking about Medal of Honor being one of the most personal scores in my entire collection. I'll let you know why that is, and it it just is one of the greatest moments of my entire life. Now, I played the soundtrack on my radio show. I played an entire hour's worth because it was that good. And so I emailed Giacchino, and I said, hey, I played an hour's worth of your music on the program, and he was flattered with that. So he then wrote to me, in another email that if I wasn't busy that summer, then he offered an invite to me to go to the recording sessions for the sequel, Medal of Honor Underground. Well, I wasn't going to say no to that. So that summer, I went to Seattle and attended my very first recording session ever. And I got to meet uh, Michael, and he was gracious. I got to meet Tim Simonek. got to meet engineer Steve Smith. I got to meet Simon James, who is now the second assistant concertmaster of the Seattle Symphony, but he was the contractor for the Northwest Symphonia Orchestra. I mean, going to see my very first recording session was just so memorable. During that recording session, I got to hear uh, the demos for Semper Fi, which is just one of Michael Giacchino's greatest dramatic scores. Uh, I actually bought my vi- brought my video camera, and so as a thank you to Michael, I produced a, a music video of the, the recording sessions, which was edited to his main theme. Well, he saw that. Uh, the people at uh, DreamWorks or, or EA, or I can't remember who, uh, Scott Langtow, who was actually the producer of Medal of Honor, uh, he saw that and uh, invited me back for Medal of Honor Frontline, I got invited back to Secret Weapons of Normandy and Mercenaries. And I did videos for Michael Giacchino for uh, Underground, Mercenaries, Secret Weapons of Normandy, and uh, Medal of Honor Frontline. And that just changed my life. It was just so great to do those projects for him. So uh, I attended four recording sessions for Giacchino before he actually made it big, um, working on The Incredibles. That was a life changer. And it was all due to me listening to Medal of Honor, which, again... Just one of my all-time favorite scores. You're listening to the film, television, and video game music radio show, Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to the program. On today's show, this is part two of my favorite scores of all-time special in celebration of Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary, which was back in September of this year. Now, if you can recall, back on the first part of this show, we uh, read some messages from uh, listeners of the program. We also played some clips from people who sent in audio messages. We'll have one more audio message for you later on the program. However, what I'm going to read for you right now is one of the uh, many emails that we received. The first message comes from a very, very good and old friend of mine. His name is Joel Nichols. I've known him since I was 14. We first uh, were introduced to each other playing baseball. 
and then we became friends and we were friends through high school, through college, and we're still very close friends to this day. So Joel actually wrote me an email and here is what he said. Hey, Eric, in response to your tweet, I was first really introduced to film music during my college years. I found out you were hosting a college radio show, which sounded so cool and grown up. I had to check it out. The first show I listened to, I remember being so impressed by your professionalism that voice is Eric's. And only after a few measures of the Shawshank Redemption suite you prepared, I was hooked. Your early shows helped me quickly realize and appreciate the connection between movies and music. One of the shows that stood out for me over the years was your Hero Kids show. Most of my favorite movies and scores all in one show. It was fantastic. Music from the Goonies, Explorers, and Monster Squad are all very nostalgic for someone who was a kid in the 80s. That program also included music from my favorite film score of all time, E.T., and just a little bit of a footnote here, um, I'm going to kind of interject a bit. I had no idea that uh, Joel's favorite score was E.T. And that's great because we're going to go see E.T. Uh, live with the uh, orchestra and the film at the end of this year. So it's just going to be really interesting to experience that score uh, with him. And we're all going uh, with our kids. It's going to be a fantastic time. So back to Joel's message. It's been great to hear you and the show evolve over the years. Your passion for film, TV, and video game music is conveyed in every show you produce, and it has been this way for the past 20 years. Happy anniversary, Eric, and keep up the amazing work. Thank you very much, Joel, for writing, and I really, really, really appreciate it. And it's great to, uh, to kind of hear and, and learn something from you that I had no idea um, that uh, E.T. was your favorite soundtrack. And we've been, we've been pals for a very, very long time. Well, E.T. didn't make this list. It's one of the very best scores ever composed, for sure. But um, for Joel, I'll dedicate this portion to you. Since he really enjoyed the Hero Kids show, then he did hear this score on that program. My number four favorite score of all time is Back to the Future, with the original score by Alan Silvestri. Now, Back to the Future was a career-making film for all the key players involved in its production. It ensured Robert Zemeckis' future as a director, Michael J. Fox as an actor, Steven Spielberg as a producer, and Alan Silvestri's status as one of the most sought-after film composers in Hollywood. The film made over $200 million at the box office. It won Oscars for Best Sound Effects Editing. Zemeckis' and Bob Gale's script was also up for an Academy Award. However, surprisingly, Alan Silvestri's now classic score wasn't even nominated. Now, going back a bit, we get four weeks into filming, and Zemeckis determines that Eric Stoltz, who was originally cast to play Marty McFly, has been completely miscast. Although he and Spielberg realized reshooting the film would add $3 million to the $14 million budget, they decided to recast. Spielberg explained that Zemeckis felt Stoltz was too humorless and gave a terrifically dramatic performance. Bob Gale further explained they felt Stoltz was simply acting out the role, whereas Michael J. Fox himself had a personality like Marty McFly. This was only Alan Silvestri's second full-blown orchestral film score, the first being Kevin Reynolds' Fandango, but this score showed for the first time Silvestri's ability for writing strong and thematic material. Silvestri's score was well-spotted and runs just under 45 minutes in length. 
I remember seeing this film for the very first time when my parents rented a VHS cassette player recorder from the local video store. It's the thing you did in the 80s. And you rented a couple of movies for the weekend. Well, the movie just absolutely blew my mind. I wanted to be Marty McFly. Of course, the main theme is what captures most people's imaginations. It's one of the greatest themes ever composed for film and goes through many fascinating variations from heroic to melancholic to threatening to warm and gentle. There's major and minor modes of the theme. Sylvester gets some great use out of it. He also wrote some zany music for the wild-eyed scientist Doc Brown. It's crazy music that isn't comedic as so much as it is schizophrenic, matching Christopher Lloyd's outstanding performance in the movie. Marty has a personal theme. You hear it most prominently while Marty is writing his letter to Doc. Biff even has a theme. Looking back at all the production problems this film had, Michael J. Fox replacing Eric Stoltz four weeks into production, post-production delays, Alan Silvestri's early score almost completely getting rejected after being recorded, there really was no reason for this film to succeed. But the witty and original script by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale was pitch perfect, the chemistry between Fox and Lloyd was unforeseen, and Alan Silvestri, who only wrote one big symphonic score before all of this, silenced all of his critics, including Steven Spielberg, who initially didn't think Silvestri was up to the task. All of that combined to create the fourth greatest score of all time. Here now is Back to the Future with music composed and conducted by Alan Silvestri. Thank you. 
Music from the original motion picture soundtrack to Back to the Future, released back in 1985, with original score composed and conducted by Alan Silvestri, and the original soundtrack recording was only released a few years ago by Intrada Records. There was never a score release of this soundtrack until 2009, which is just absolutely crazy. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to Cinematic Sound Radio. This is part two of my countdown of my 10 all-time favorite scores. 
which is in celebration of Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary back in September of this year. Up next is our number three selection. And before we get to that, we have a clip from uh, one of my closest, I guess, internet friends. I have never met this guy, but we have been in contact for many years, first through scorereviews.com and then at maintitles.net. I respect him quite a bit, who has a, a, a wonderful taste in film music. Well, he has uh, sent us an audio file. I listened to it back once. He put a lot of thought into this. This is uh, my uh, friend, Martin von Hasseld. And here's what he has to say about Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary. This is the Netherlands, and this is Martijn speaking. Eric and I first spoke, so to speak, on the now defunct film music related website scorereviews.com about, well, 15 years or so ago? Well, we've since gone on to continue our discussions on maintitles.net, a shameless plug for friendly, Europe centered discussions and banter on all things related and unrelated to film music. Visit maintitles.net. Maintitles.net. Film music and more. Reviews, wildly biased opinions, disturbing personal revelations, irrelevant sidetracks. Maintitles.net. Film music and more. Follow the violent discussions on scoring trends. See Thor's wildly incoherent drunken rants. Watch Stephen tear apart religion. Marvel at Tom's U.S. weather reports. Observe Martin being the universal pundit on every single subject in a mixed martial arts style that reflects Buddha, Martin Luther King, Socrates, and Hulk Hogan. Oh, and he's so good looking too. Maintitles.net is where it's at. The thing about Eric, aside from the fact that he is one of the finest radio voices I know, is that he's utterly passionate about the music. He knows what he likes, and he knows what he dislikes, and he's vocal about it. Now, for my money, especially the dislikes are great fun to listen to. Now, I won't spoil it for you, just tune in, especially when the topic is thematic discontinuity, or indeed texture scoring trends. For the latter, listen for the keyword Hulkenborg. I've been a soundtrack fan long before I met Eric, so to be honest, there weren't many really new discoveries that Cinematic Radio provided to me, but it did help in providing a new perspective and different ways to listen to the music. So it was through Eric's show and web posts that I learned about playlists as a new listening experience, rather than the straight out linear, start CD, play it through, come to the end, stop, way. I realize that may sound odd in this day and age of Spotify, but you have to remember, I'm from the age of vinyl and CDs, and the closest that I came to redefining a listening experience was by making mixtapes of different main themes on cassette. Now I have themed playlists that range from composer to mood to style, and it's really enhanced my enjoyment. So Eric, thanks for that inspiration. It's really good to have one's mental framework shook up once in a while. 
One true proper discovery from Eric show, though, was the composer Michael Giacchino. This too was many moons back when Giacchino mostly had video game scores under his belt and of course we've known him to go on to major A-list blockbusters since. However, my fondest memories will still be of those absolutely amazing orchestral powerhouses that he did for Mercenaries, The Lost World, the Medal of Honor series and my very favourite Secret Weapons over Normandy. For someone like me coming off 4-track Amiga video game music, this was a massive eye-opener. So again, thanks Eric. Enjoy the show, hope to enjoy it for many more years to come, and you know, maybe I'll do that guest spot that we talked about these many many years ago. I'm sure your listeners will be riveted to hear more of a Dutch film music fan's most eclectic tastes. Speaking of Dutch, the composer's name it's Rogier van Otterlo. Rogier van Otterlo. Really? How hard can it be? It's three words in Dutch. I sent over phonetic instructions, everything, and still you didn't get it right. I mean, honestly, why do I even bother? It's not that anyone ever really listens to me, but you know, I'm just this guy trying to do what's my best. And Rogier van Otterlo, it can't be that hard. I'm providing proper information. Martin, you outdid yourself yet again. That one uh, might be the best audio clip I've ever received. And uh, I hope everybody at maintitles.net gets a chance to hear it. If not, you know what? I might just put it up as a as a track on its own on cinematicsound.net just to make sure that everybody gets to hear that at least once. That was just uh, above and beyond, Martin. Thank you very, very much uh, for that wonderful tribute to me and uh, my radio show. And what Martin was getting on about at the end of that little segment had something to do with a request he made many years ago on the show, and I messed up a particular composer's name. I'm not even going to attempt it this time out, but that's what that little segment at the end was all about, and I would have been disappointed if he didn't bring that up at all. So... In at number three is music from the film that basically sunk Caraco Pictures. That film is Cuthroat Island, with original score by John Debney. Now, the film was a troubled production. Michael Douglas was originally set to play Shaw, the main male lead, a role that eventually went to Matthew Modine. Gina Davis was cast because she was married at the time to director Rennie Harlan, with plans to make her an action star. And before Matthew Modine was brought on, the production looked all over the place for a bankable star with the likes of Tom Cruise, Liam Neeson, Keanu Reeves, Charlie Sheen, Tim Robbins, just to name a few, and all of them declined. Filming was delayed numerous times, which sent the budget spiraling out of control. The final budget was somewhere in the range of $100 million. They built sets, then tore them down and rebuilt them. They even built two full-size pirate ships for the large-scale battle at the end of the film, one of which they blow up in spectacular fashion. I think I'm one of the rare fans of this film. I enjoy it. I really do. 
Sure, it has issues with the script. Star power really isn't there. Davis does her best, but Modine is out of his league on this film. The scene stealer, however, is Frank Langella. He plays Dog Brown, the main bad guy in this movie. He just chews up every scene that he's in. Now, I first saw this movie with a buddy of mine, Adam Malseed. We're back in college. He and I used to hang out every Friday, order two large pizzas, and rent two movies. I clearly remember us watching this film. And for those that haven't seen the uh, bad dog line at the end of the movie, it's the line that Gina Davis yells out just before she shoots dog with a cannon. Both me and my friend just burst out laughing. We laughed so hard that we almost missed the incredible explosion of Dog's ship, which is, again, one of the best explosions I've ever seen on film. You can really feel the power of that massive explosion through the lens. It's, it's really spectacular stuff. Anyway, the score by John Debney immediately left an impression on me, but I was never really able to find the soundtrack locally in Hamilton. It wasn't until many years later that I found Silver Screen Records release for a very good price at HMV in Toronto. I remember putting that one on my stereo and just being left in awe by the time the CD was done. I knew right then and there that I was hearing one of the greatest scores ever written, not only of the genre, which there are some amazing film scores, but of all time. Now, John Debney was very quick to credit the Golden Age greats that inspired him while writing this score. But ultimately, this is a John Debney score that stands completely on its own. It's rousing, exciting, thematic, pulse-pounding, dynamic, emotional, with one of cinema's all-time great themes and one of cinema's all-time greatest end credit cues. Utilizing the forces of the London Symphony Orchestra and London Voices, along with conductor David Snell and recording engineer Simon Rhodes. Mikolas Roja, Eric Wolfgang Korngold, Max Steiner, Franz Waxman, and Hugo Friedhofer, you would all be proud of John Debney. He captured your swashbuckling spirit perfectly with this score. And now I'm proud to present selections from the number three score of all time, Cutthroat Island by John Debney.
Music from the original motion picture soundtrack to Cutthroat Island released in 1995, featuring original music by John Debney, with the London Symphony Orchestra and London Voices, conducted by David Snell. It's interesting, and I'm going to give a few things away here, but there's not really much of a surprise as to what my last two selections are, but the London Symphony Orchestra is featured in my number three, two, and one selection. Pretty neat. Also, just a note, Cutthroat Island was recently re-released in a new uh, remastered two-CD set through La La Land Records, and that's what we played for you on today's program. Streaming on the web since 1996, this is Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to Cinematic Sound Radio. We are celebrating Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary, which took place in September of this year. We're playing my 10 favorite scores of all time, and we are now in at number two. But before we get to that, again, another listener email, this time from Matt DeWater. Here's what he has to say. Hey, Eric, I just wanted to give some thoughts on the show for your 20th anniversary. First off, I'm still very new to the show, as I just discovered you this summer. It's been great diving in headfirst, though. I've always been a bit irritated that radio doesn't have a home for anything I really care to listen to. It's felt like a bit like I'm off on an island listening to music that nobody else listens to. Little did I know what I've been missing out on all these years. So thanks for giving us your time and passion in putting these shows together. What I've enjoyed most about the show is that it's a great mix of mainstream favorites and more obscure stuff. As a soundtrack fan, I know I have a lot to learn still. Lord of the Rings really opened my eyes as a young teen to what film music can be. And I've since, of course, fallen in love with the giant classics, Star Wars. Back to the Future, etc. But I really like to start understanding the stuff that doesn't get much fanfare, and Cinematic Sound Radio has been a great way to do that, without feeling like I'm in over my head. My favorite episode so far has been the best of 2015 because I sat there thinking, my God, I miss so much good stuff. I also really enjoyed your top most played tracks, where your top tracks were the ones that reminded you of your kids. That's beautiful, and that's what music's all about for me. Soundtracking our lives, whether it's actual soundtrack music or not. Just for kicks, my most played track is The Breaking of the Fellowship from Fellowship of the Ring. Doesn't get any more beautiful than that. So anyway, congrats on 20 years, and here's to 20 more. Again, from Matt DeWater, and you can find him on Twitter at MDeWater. So thanks, Matt, very much for that. And uh, it's always great to hear from uh, our older listeners, but it's also great to know that even after 20 years, we're still finding brand new fans who are discovering film music through this show. And that's the reason why I do the program. So in at number two is music from The Empire Strikes Back, the sequel to Star Wars, released in 1980. Now here's a little story that I uh, wrote for... uh, Lee Bricknell and her fantastic uh, film music radio show called Filmic. So if you get a chance to listen to that program, I highly recommend you do. Here's my introduction to Star Wars. Star Wars as a whole just features some of the great film music ever written. Now, I was introduced to Star Wars in 1983 
when I saw my very first Star Wars film. And I want to say it was at the old Uptown Theater in Toronto. I remember sitting in the balcony. There was a big red curtain hiding the giant screen. When the film began, I was blown away. The Death Star, the TIE Fighters, the X-Wings, the explosions, the lightsabers, heroes, bad guys, Darth Vader, a guy who shot blue lightning out of his fingers. It was amazing. It just blew me away. The music also knocked me out. The whole way home, I couldn't get the main title theme out of my head. When I returned home, I rushed to my bedroom, took out my sketchbook, and filled it with the memories I had just gathered all the while singing the Star Wars main theme. Funny thing is, I saw the Star Wars trilogy in reverse order. A short time after seeing Jedi, my father, again, here's that whole Betamax (laughs) VHS story. He rented a Betamax machine and the Empire Strikes Back from the video store. And I loved it. And then I caught Star Wars on TV one Saturday night. I would eventually see the entire trilogy in proper order during a New Year's Eve Star Wars marathon a few years later. Now, at that time... I didn't own any of John Williams' Star Wars music until I visited the library to do research for a year-end John Williams project I was doing in my last year of high school. There I found John Williams' Star Wars trilogy compilation that he recorded with the Skywalker Symphony, and I also found Charles Gerhardt's Empire Strikes Back Symphonic Suite album. A few years later, I finally owned the original recordings, which I found on the brilliant 1993 Star Wars trilogy four CD box set. And that was the best 90 bucks I ever spent. So that's my little Star Wars story. And over the years, um, I, I appreciate all the soundtracks, but I don't think there is any score in the Star Wars trilogy like The Empire Strikes Back that just kind of has everything in it from drama to there's some horror in it to just some of the most magnificent action cues ever written. Uh, just a plethora of great themes, even though there's some great new ones written in Jedi. This one just all kind of comes together from note one to the last note. It also features the greatest action cue John Williams ever wrote, and that's the asteroid field. And he also wrote one of the great end credit suites of all time. End credit suite writing is just a lost art. There aren't many composers that do it this day. I know Michael Cicchino still does it for, uh, if not every one of his movies, but most of. And it's just something that uh, I don't think composers really these days have enough time to do. And I really wish they did because it's just a wonderful summation of the music that you've heard uh, throughout the film. It's also great to listen to as you watch the end credits when the film is over. So with that, here's music from my number two favorite score of all time. This is The Empire Strikes Back with music composed and conducted by John Williams featuring the London Symphony Orchestra.
John Williams' dazzling score to The Empire Strikes Back. In that recording, John Williams conducted the London Symphony Orchestra, and we played music from that 1993 Arista 4 CD box set of the Star Wars trilogy. In my humble opinion, that's the best-sounding Empire Strikes Back album out there. Yes, even better than the RCA Records version. And hopefully one of these days, uh, these soundtracks are re-released again in perfect remastered sound. But that's The Empire Strikes Back, my number two favorite score of all time. Bringing you the very best of original music composed for films, television, and video games, this is Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to the show. On today's program, I'm presenting my favorite scores of all time. And this is in celebration of Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary, which is back in September of this year. Before we get into my number one selection... I'm going to play honorable mention for you. Before we get to the honorable mention, I got another message for you. This message comes from Vikram Laknampal, and I really hope I pronounced your name properly. Anyway, here's what he had to say. Hi, Eric. Wanted to say a few things about your show as it turns 20 years old. This past weekend, Film Tracks also announced its 20th birthday, which means both Christian's website and your show came about when I was approximately one year old. Having been really into film scores for about three to four years, your show naturally feels like a staple of the film music community. For all intents and purposes, as old in my head as Basil Poldoris and Franz Waxman. I can't describe myself as a dedicated listener, but when I do listen, there's always a fun two hours of music interrupted with commentary from the voice of God. Sometimes I haven't heard the scores you play which prompts me to check them out. Other times I've heard them, but your sweet, sweet arrangements will often show me a hidden gem of a cue that I missed for the first time and encourage me to re-listen and reassess. 20 years of broadcasting is no small feat, and your shows offer a glimpse into the amount of hard work, passion, and effort you've poured into this production for two decades. Congratulations on reaching your decennial anniversary, and I look forward to the next 20 years. Best regards, Vikram. Thank you very much for that outstanding response. It really made me smile. So Vikram, for you, you get the honorable mention, which is Star Trek, the motion picture by Jerry Goldsmith. We played a lot of Star Trek on the show in the past few months, but that's not a bad thing, is it? We've played re-recordings, alternate takes, but since Goldsmith's score to Star Trek, the motion picture is my all-time favorite Goldsmith score, I had to play it on the show one more time because it's number 12 on my list just behind Conan the Barbarian, which I played on part one. First of all, calling this film the slow-moving picture is not clever or funny. It, it, it really never has been. Sure, the film's a slow burn, but it was designed to be that way. However, it was a bloody mess during pre-production and post-production. Actually, this film spent a year only on computer-generated pre-visualization. Visual effects artist Douglas Trimble was called in to basically save the movie. The film had to be released by December of 1979, where there was going to be big trouble. 
Trumbull made a lot of money off this film, but delivered everything he said he would on the film that had more special effects shots in it than Star Wars and Close Encounters combined, and he had to do it in six months. Composer Jerry Goldsmith actually began writing the score to Star Trek The Motion Picture in September of 1979, with the first recording session scheduled for late October. With only half the film completed at that point and no title sequence available, Goldsmith was also still without a theme. And a lot of the early music recorded was actually recomposed and re-recorded by Goldsmith very late in the process, with one recording session taking place less than a week before the film's December 7th release date. Even under all of that pressure, the film is dazzling visually, and Jerry Goldsmith wrote his very best film score, a score that should have won the Academy Award. Now, we played a lot of the favorites from this score on the program, the main title, the Klingon theme, the dry dock sequence, of course, the Enterprise we played many, many times here on the program. What we haven't really played are the middle sections of the score, those more pastoral cues, those cues during the V'ger flyover sequences. There's some just gorgeous special effects and imagery on the, on the screen during these portions, and there is little to no dialogue happening. It's just the Enterprise flying along, and we're looking at gorgeous colors and effects that really we haven't seen before. And these scenes are scored masterfully by Jerry Goldsmith. So what we're going to play for you right now uh, is a 10-minute sequence of basically the Enterprise flying over uh, V'ger, and we're going to play the cloud and the V'ger flyover. We're then going to skip ahead to the uh, the incredible climax, the, the incredibly emotional climax of this film called The Meld and a Good Start, featuring a wonderful rendition of the uh, the Enterprise theme that Jerry Goldsmith eventually came up with. The track also features wonderful statements of V'ger's last two notes as Decker and Ilea meld together to create a life form of pure energy. And then, of course, we'll play for you the end title suite. And now music from our honorable mention. This would be my number 12 score of all time. This is Star Trek The Motion Picture with music composed and conducted by Jerry Goldsmith.
Music from Jerry Goldsmith's classic score to the 1979 film Star Trek The Motion Picture. And the original soundtrack recording is available in a dazzling three-CD set from La La Land Records. On the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is Cinematic Sound. Welcome back to the program. On today's show, I'm featuring my 10 favorite scores of all time in celebration of Cinematic Sound Radio's 20th anniversary, which was in September of this year. Before we get to my number one selection, I have one more email to read for you. This was a, this was a really good one to read. It comes from Tiffany Jordan, and here's what she had to say. Hey, Eric, I know I'm late, but I wanted to drop a line and say congrats. Not often that one gets to continue a project they began in college 20 years ago without grant or government-supported funding. When I wanted to change up my commute listening, I had started with David Garland's Movies on the Radio that he did for WQXR here in New York City. From there, I was hooked. I couldn't get enough of the program, and when I quickly ran out of archive programs, I searched for other film score podcasts and found yours. One show gets me through about two days of commuting, and it's like having an old friend keep me company. And the format is perfect. Some discussion and lots of music. From wonderfully classic scores to new video game scores that I would never have known about. And I'm not a gamer. I must have listened to the beginning of one recent episode that featured 10 Cloverfield Lane at least a dozen times. As I was hooked from both your description and the score itself. And I was already a Bear McCreary fangirl. Love your collaborations with Chris Coleman. And hopefully they continue as you guys bring a fantastic banter and so much knowledge on the subject while being so encouraging of all input and opinions. Thanks for providing such a well-informed, entertaining podcast with tons of variety and most of all, a personal touch. Your own personal stories always add a human touch. Happy anniversary, and here's the next 20 years of film, TV, and video game scores. Best. Tiffany Jordan, a.k.a. Curly Cello Mama. I think that's a perfect way to end this show. But uh, I do have a few things to say about my number one favorite score of all time. And for those that have stuck with me for the past 20 years, know this selection by heart. My favorite score of all time comes from my favorite film of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark, released in 1981. Now, when did I first see this movie? Well, I clearly remember that it was a Monday afternoon when I was homesick with God knows what. I was seven or eight. My mom and dad had rented, here we are again with the Betamax machine. It could have been VHS, who knows. And of course, they had rented a few movies that weekend. I can clearly remember my mom calling me down to our basement in our old Toronto home and her saying to me, I think I have a movie you might enjoy. She put the tape in, we sat back on the couch, and over the next two hours, I was in awe. It was one of the very first films I can remember watching, and I just absolutely loved it. Every frame, every sound, every note of John Williams' perfect score, and of course, it all still resonates with me today. 
If I'm having a bad day, I could put this film on and cheer myself up. I can just put the score on and I'm just happy as a seven or eight year old. The film is so good that I will watch it in any language. I think my dad once caught me watching a French version of the film one Sunday afternoon on TV. John Williams' score is a masterpiece, obviously. Williams was in the middle of an incredible run of film scores that essentially began in 1975 with Jaws and ended somewhere near 1984 with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. In that time, he wrote music for Star Wars, Close Encounters, Jaws 2, The Fury, The Empire Strikes Back, E.T., and Return of the Jedi. And I'm sure any composer today would love to have written just one of those scores. But Williams was writing one masterpiece after another during that time. Raiders Lost Ark, of course, is anchored by its instantly memorable Raiders March, which, as pointed out by Steven Spielberg, were two musical motifs that eventually became one. Marion has a theme, the Ark has a theme, the Medallion has a theme. Those two themes actually come together brilliantly during the film's climax as the Nazis finally open the Ark. And then there's the action music. The, the score is highlighted by one of the all-time best action cues called The Desert Chase. John Williams was nominated for his score for Raiders of the Lost Ark, but lost to Vangelis and his score to Chariots of Fire, which is just one of the many Academy Award injustices. Besides that little blemish, I consider Raiders of the Lost Ark to be the greatest film score ever written. And what we're going to play for you right now is music from what I consider to be the best release of Raiders, the 1995 DCC release of the score produced lovingly by Lucas Kendall and featuring a superb mix by Stephen Hoffman of Eric Tomlinson's magnificent, crisp, and dynamic recording of the London Symphony Orchestra. Well, that's it, folks. We got through our countdown. Do you agree with my selections? What would you have put on your top 10 list? Please, in the comment section below on cinematicsound.net, please let me know what you thought. Or you can add your list to us on Facebook at uh, Cinematic Sound. Or please tweet me at Sound Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. And until next time, take care and happy listening. And now, Raiders of the Lost Ark.
for listening to Cinematic Sound Radio. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the program, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. Don't forget to check us out at Cinematic Sound at cinematicsound.net on the web, Sound Radio on Twitter, and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on iTunes, why don't you take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. All ratings and reviews help us get noticed on iTunes. And don't forget to tell your friends about the program as well. Share this show on your favorite social media network. We really appreciate all the support. And don't forget to check out our affiliates at WRock Radio at WRockRadio.com and PodTyrant at PodTyrant.com.